0: Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him, dart back and forth, oh, he broke his ankles. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown, Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up wide. Welcome to the My Sports Update Football Podcast. Welcome to the year 2020. Here we are with the first episode of the year. Happy New Year to all of you. I am your host, Ari Merov. For 20 teams, the offseason has officially begun. For 12 teams, the chance to be in the Super Bowl in Miami in a few weeks is still alive. We had a few coaching changes this week in Washington, in New York, in Cleveland. We're still waiting on word in Dallas. Wild Card Weekend is here. All the madness is about to get started. It is the busy time of the year with playoff games, bowl games, coaching moves, coaching interviews, players declaring for the draft, and much, much more. Let's get you up to speed with everything. Here we go. So a lot happened this week. As expected, it is that time of year when news is just coming in and coming in and coming in. It feels like it just doesn't stop. I want to start off with the Cleveland Browns who on Sunday night, they fired head coach Freddie Kitchens after one season, one very disappointing season, a season which had so much hype in the offseason, so much hype in the preseason and ends with a 6-10 record with a loss to the 1-14 Cincinnati Bengals. It was time to pull the plug on Freddie Kitchens. Now this isn't really a shock. We expected this. We talked about it in previous episodes that Freddie Kitchens' seat was getting hot. His players were indisciplined. The offense was a mess. Baker took a step back from his rookie year. Odell wasn't utilized correctly. The penalties, the t-shirt, the Miles Garrett incident, and on and on. The entire Cleveland Browns season was a total joke. They need a real leader of men. Someone who has done this before might be a good idea. But um, getting Freddie Kitchens clearly was not a smart idea by general manager John Dorsey. Speaking of Dorsey, the biggest surprise that came out of Cleveland happened on Tuesday when the Browns parted ways with John Dorsey, their general manager. This came out of nowhere in a way. At least in the public eye, no one was really expecting this. There was some chatter that it could happen, but no one was actually expecting it to happen. But it did happen on Tuesday. They moved on for John Dorsey. And the reason for this is really interesting. The Browns last year, when they were looking for a head coach, John Dorsey and a few other people in the organization wanted to hire Freddie Kitchens. There were several other people in the organization who wanted to hire Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. Ultimately, Dorsey got what he wanted. They were able to hire Freddie Kitchens. We all know by now that did not work out. And this time around, when it was time to look for a new head coach, there was once again many different voices in the Browns' front office on who to interview, who to hire, etc., etc. And eventually, the Browns went up to John Dorsey and told him, we want to restructure the front office We want to restructure the front office. We want to move you to a different role. Dorsey said no thank you, so they decided to part ways. And this wasn't a firing. They didn't fire John Dorsey. They decided to mutually part ways after they couldn't agree on how to restructure the front office. So for the next two years, John Dorsey will be getting paid by the Browns, even though he is not working there. We've seen this happen before in Cleveland They are back to square one without a head coach and without a general manager. And if you look at the big picture now, it gets really interesting because, first of all, Baker Mayfield will be going with his fourth head coach entering his third season in the NFL. They had Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchen. then I'll have another one. And then the general manager who drafted him for the number one overall pick, who took the gamble to select Baker Mayfield for the number one overall pick, he is no longer there. It also makes you wonder what will happen to Odell Beckham Jr., who was acquired by John Dorsey. It makes you wonder what will happen to Kareem Hunt, who will be a restricted free agent this offseason. He was signed by John Dorsey. It makes you wonder what will happen to Joe Schobert, their 26-year-old linebacker. Backer who will be a free agent this offseason? So, a lot of questions in Cleveland on what exactly will happen to a bunch of their great players. And as I said in the previous episode, winning in the offseason does not mean you will win in the regular season. And the 2019 Cleveland Browns prove that to everyone. They're once again in turmoil and they are looking for a general manager and a head coach. According to owner Jimmy Haslam, they're going to hire a head coach first and then look for a general manager, whether it's in the building or from the outside. So that is the plan for the Cleveland Browns. We'll see what exactly they'll do. They've already interviewed Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head coach. They're also going to interview the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, Robert Salas. So a lot of here going on in Cleveland, back in square one. Moving on to the New York Giants, they also made a coaching change on Monday by firing Pat Shermer after two seasons and a two and a 9-23 record. And for the Giants and Shermer, aside from now winning on the field, there was no real excitement for this team. I'm from New York. The seats in MetLife Stadium were always usually empty the word on the street was never about the Giants and for Shermer He's an offensive-minded guy, but I don't know if he's exactly made. To, he's not tailor-made to be a head coach. He seems to be a very low-energy type of a person, a person with no sense of humor, and in New York, that isn't going to bode well, especially if you are now winning. And that is one of the reasons why he was fired as head coach of the New York Giants. The other thing about the Giants, and the interesting part about the New York Giants, is that they decided to hold on and to keep general manager Dave Gettleman. Who was the one who hired Pat Shermer two years ago? He is staying, and that is despite the fact that he has had more bad than good. During his two years as general manager. If you look at the Nate Solder contract, that has not worked out. You look at the Jonathan Stewart contract, that did not work out. The Patrick Omame contract, that did not work out. The Alec Ogletree trade has not worked out. The Leonard Williams trade from this past from this season has not worked out. And Dave Getman is still trying to defend it. Giving up a third and a conditional fifth round pick for a rental has not worked out at all. If there's one plus with... The Dave Gettleman during his time in New York It's the fact that he was able to find Daniel Jones He seems to be the real deal He seems to be like a franchise quarterback But again, more negatives than positives For Dave Gettleman Also the Odell Beckham Jr. contract Giving him that record contract And then trading him Obviously a bad decision So a lot of holes on this roster And owners John Mara, Steve Tisch They are going to rely on Dave Gettleman To fix it We'll see how that works out. In regards to the head coaches, who they are looking at, Matt Rule, the Baylor head coach, seems to be the hot name. He's from the area. He's been with the Giants in the past as an assistant under Tom Coughlin, was there for a year. The other name to keep an eye on is Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. He interviewed the last time around before the Giants hired Pat Shermers. He's another name to watch. But again, whoever ends up taking the Giants head coaching job is going to be in a forced relationship with Dave Gettleman. We'll see how that goes. Sometimes coaching candidates, especially the hot ones, they usually do not like to enter a situation where they are forced into a relationship with a general manager. If you look at what the 49ers did a couple of years ago, they hired Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch together so um, we'll see how that goes with the Giants as they are keeping Dave Gettleman Moving on to another NFC East team, and that is the Washington Redskins. They made some big moves over the last couple of days. It all started on Monday when they fired Bruce Allen, the team president, after 10 years. And this is a big move. Redskins fans have been waiting for this for a long time. He has been in control of all the football decisions over the last 10 years, and he's had more bad decisions than good over that time. They moved on from him. And they made a big coaching hire, a splash, when they hired former Panthers head coach Ron Rivera to be their next head coach. He gets a five-year deal to come to Washington. They also hired Jack Del Rio to be their defensive coordinator. So two very well-respected people as well as two well-respected head coaches um, coming to Washington. And this is big for a number of reasons. First of all, the Redskins are looked at as a dysfunctional organization, at least by fans and by some people in the league they're looked as a they're looked at as a dysfunctional organization and for them to get Ron Rivera who many people consider to be the number 1 coaching candidate from all the coaches available for them to get him to come to Washington and to take over the coaching duties is a big deal and then to get Jack Del Rio as well on top of that That is two big hires for Washington. I've been talking to a couple of Redskins fans over the last couple of days, and I've never seen them as excited as they are right now. You have the franchise quarterback, who they hope is the franchise quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. He steadily improved as the season went on. You have a young running back, Darius Geis, who, if he's healthy, has the potential to be a top-tier running back. You have Terry McLaurin, the young wide receiver who... Clearly is a stud. He had a big rookie year. They have another young wide receiver, Steven Sims, an undrafted player who shined in the last couple of weeks. Then you also have the offensive line. Maybe Trent Williams will come back. Brendan Scherf will be a free agent. Um, will they re-sign him? So you have some decisions to make over there. And on the defensive side of the ball, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Landon Collins, Ryan Kerrigan. There's a lot of pieces there. And of course they have the number two overall pick which could very well end up being Chase Young, the stud defensive end out of Ohio State. So a lot of excitement in the nation's capital with a new head coach, a young quarterback, um, a new defensive coordinator, and a lot of great young pieces for them to work with. So a lot of excitement in Washington. And then the owner, Dan Snyder, who's gotten a lot of hate, a lot of negative um, press over the last um A long time. He's been getting a lot of negative press, and for good reason. He's made a lot of bad decisions in Washington, but for him to go and make Ron Rivera the head coach and to bring in these type of Well-respected people is a big plus, something that many people were not expecting to see in Washington. People never thought he'll fire Bruce Allen, and he did that. It looks like we're in the year 2020 and we have a new Dan Snyder. We'll see how all this pans out, but so far, so good in the nation's capital. Moving on to another NFC East, Set NFC East team We already covered the Redskins We covered the Giants Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys It is right now Thursday at 6.30pm Here in, in the Eastern Time Zone and Jason Garrett is still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. It is absolutely amazing. None of us expected that to happen. But here we are. He has not been fired yet. We don't expect this to actually last. But as as of right now, he is still the head coach. It has not happened yet. He has not been fired. I can't even imagine what would happen if the Cowboys brought back Jason Garrett for another year. I truly believe that Twitter would crash if Jerry Jones brought back... Jason Garrett for another season. We don't expect that to happen. And Jared Jones has met with Jason Garrett twice or three times already since the season ended on Sunday. Not really sure what they're talking about, but the thing we have the thing we have to remember here is that Garrett has been in Dallas for a very long time. Not only as the head coach, he was there as a um, as a coach under Wade Phillips, he was there as a player. So he's been there for a long time. And when you think about that, he's He's kind of like family to the Joneses. So what could be happening here, and the reason why it might be taking so long, is that maybe Jerry wants to keep Garrett with the organization in some capacity. Not on the coaching staff, but in some capacity, maybe in the front office. That is just a thought. It is not an official report. It is not a verified report. But um, that could be what is happening here. Once they do move on from Jason Garrett, Lincoln Riley, Matt Rule, Urban Meyer, Josh McDaniels, and Dan Campbell are some names to watch in Dallas. Alrighty, so that takes care of all the coaching moves that happened over the last few days. The Jaguars kept Doug Marone, the Jets kept Adam Gase, the Falcons kept Dan Quinn, and the Lions kept Matt Patricia. No other coaching moves that I could think of. The only one that I will keep an eye on is in Minnesota with Mike Zimmer. And many people might be shocked that I'm saying that. But Mike Zimmer has only one more year left after this season is over. And usually teams in the NFL don't like going into another season when their coach only has one year left. I know Dallas just did that with Jason Garrett. But usually teams don't like entering another season with a head coach with a one-year deal. We'll see exactly what Minnesota does. They do have Kevin Stefanski there, a well-respected offensive coordinator um, who they might look at. But um, that is just a thought for now. Um, We'll see how far Minnesota goes in the playoffs. They have their game against New Orleans on Sunday. But um, if they do get eliminated, I do want to keep an eye on what happens in Minnesota moving on to wild Card weekend 12 teams are still in it eight teams will play this weekend and we all get started with the bills and texans it feels like the texans are always playing on wildcard weekend Always playing on Saturday, the first game on ESPN. It feels like every year that happens. But um, anyways, both teams went 10-6 and six on the season. The big news here for Houston is that they are getting back J.J. Watt. It is absolutely incredible recovering from that torn pec in which he suffered earlier in the year. Many thought that would be a season-ending injury, but no, he is back. He is not human. Both teams rested their some of their key starters in Week 17. The Bills have thrived this season on the big stage. They're competitive. They keep things close. They're just an annoying team to face. The Tredavious White vs. Andre Hopkins matchup is absolutely fascinating to me. I'll be watching that very, very closely. Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, two up-and-coming quarterbacks in the NFL. This game feels like a game that will be a low-scoring game, very competitive, and very down to the wire that is the first game up here in wildcard weekend this year for the first time in a while the nfl decided to put both afc games on saturday both nfc games on sunday usually they split it up not this year so the titans and patriots are up next they have the eight o'clock game on cbs on saturday night and the connections here are so deep Um, It's really interesting. Mike Vrabel, the Titans' head coach, he played in 17 playoff games with Bill Belichick and won three Super Bowls. He was with Tom Brady. John Robinson, the Titans' general manager, is from the Patriots' tree. He was in New England for 12 years. Deion Lewis is a former Patriot. Logan Ryan is a former Patriot. Malcolm Butler, he's an IR, but he's a former Patriot. The Titans defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, he spent six seasons with the Patriots, including four as a defensive coordinator. Ryan Tannehill, the Titans quarterback, he has beaten the Patriots four times in his career, including last year's Miami Miracle. So a lot of connections here for the Titans and the Patriots, it is very interesting to see that. And then, of course, you have Derrick Henry, an absolute monster. The rushing title went to Derrick Henry this year. And Bill Belichick said earlier this week that Henry is the best running back that they will face this season, and that says a lot. So um, remember, the Titans also beat the Patriots last year in the regular season. So this is going to be a real game. It's going to be a competitive game. Um, The Titans are coming in hot. Remember, the Patriots were not expecting to be in this position. They thought they'll beat the Dolphins in Week 17 and get a first-round bye. They get stunned. They lose. Here they are, wild-card weekend, facing a very, very hot tennessee titans team so um this game another game both games on saturday have the feel like they will be competitive matchups that will go down to the wire and the other thing about this game i know people don't want to talk about it but tom brady is in the final year of his contract he is selling his home in massachusetts he Um, Cannot be franchise-tagged after the season. If the Patriots lose this game, this could very well be the last game for Tom Brady. I know people don't want to say that. But um, if the Patriots lose, could this be the it? Could this be the end for Tom Brady? That is something to keep an eye on as that game goes on. Moving on to the NFC, both games again on Sunday for the NFC. We are starting with the Vikings and Saints. They play at one o'clock on Fox. It is a rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle. I know people don't really want to talk about that because the this time around the game is new orleans the minneapolis miracle happened in minneapolis um granted the name minneapolis miracle and last time around case keenum was the quarterback this time it is kirk cousins so a lot of differences the thing about this game is that no one is really giving the Vikings a chance to win this game. That's understandable. They've lost three out of their last five. Many people are already talking about the Saints versus Packers next week in the divisional round. But the way the Saints are playing, they're high-powered. Alvin Kamara is finally getting involved after having a not-so-great season. We all know about the Drew Brees to Michael Thomas connection. For the Vikings, in order for them to be in this game, first of all, they have to have Kirk Cousins show up and do his thing. This isn't a primetime game. It's a 1 o'clock game, so that's good news for him. And then B, can the Vikings' pass rush get to Drew Brees? They have capable capable guys who could get to the quarterback, Daniel the Hunter, Everson Griffin. They have to create pressure somehow because the Vikings' secondary has not been great This season has had its struggles at times. Dalvin Cook, the Vikings star running back, is fully healthy. He is back and will play for the Vikings. If the Vikings can show up, this game has the potential to be a shootout. If not, I could see this game being a runaway for the Saints. And then the final game of Wild Card Weekend, it is the Seattle Seahawks versus the Philadelphia Eagles. This game will be on NBC. The Seahawks are coming off that heartbreaking loss on Sunday night versus the 49ers, losing on the one-yard line. And because of that loss, they were forced to travel east to face the Eagles for this playoff game. The thing about the Seahawks is when you look at the numbers... They were 7-1 on the road this season, including a win over the Eagles in Philadelphia earlier on this season. For the Eagles, they have been decimated by injuries and it once again happened last week in their game versus the Giants, losing Brandon Brooks, their Pro Bowl guard, to a shoulder injury he has done for the year. They also have Zach Ertz who is still injury, injured, dealing with a lacerated kidney, no guarantee that he plays this week. Their rookie running back, Miles Sanders, who's really come along here in the back end of the year. He is dealing with an injury. No guarantee he plays. The right tackle, Lane Johnson, is still recovering from an ankle injury. No guarantee that he plays this week. We all know about all the wide receiver injuries with no Alshon Jeffrey and no Deshaun Jackson and no Nelson Aguilar. They're going to have to use Greg Ward and JJ Arcega Whiteside. What Carson Wentz has been able to do this year, if you go back to the start of the year when the Eagles gave Carson Wentz that massive extension, a lot of people said the Eagles are making a huge mistake. Mistake. A because the Eagles were able to win with Nick Foles, and then B because Carson Wentz had so many injuries he couldn't finish a regular season twice, and people were saying the Eagles made a huge mistake giving him that contract. And now here we are in Wild Card Weekend, a bunch of key pieces for the Eagles are injured, and the one guy who is still healthy is Carson Wentz. When you look at this roster. You look at the Eagles, you would think that Carson Wentz is playing with a roster that you would expect to see for the fourth preseason game. You wouldn't expect to see this roster out there for wildcard weekend for a playoff game. What he's been able to do this year, throwing for over 4,000 yards, he didn't have a single wide receiver with over 500 receiving yards this season. He is the first quarterback in NFL history. To throw for over 4,000 yards and not have a single receiver with over 500 receiving yards—that that is an absolutely amazing stat which Fox showed during last week's game versus the Giants. He has literally been carrying the Philadelphia Eagles and now they're in the playoffs and we all know about Lincoln Financial Field playoffs in Philadelphia is absolutely insane. The fans are absolutely crazy. We'll see if they take out the dog masks once again like they did a couple of years ago because with all the injuries, a lot of people are counting out the Eagles. They're on a hot streak. They've won four in a row. Granted, it hasn't been to any good teams, but they're on a roll right now. We'll see what they can do versus the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday afternoon. That does it for this week's My Sports Update football podcast. Another episode is in the books. The NFL world is always busy, but it is starting to ramp up with so much going on. There's Wild Card Weekend, there's the head coaching carousel, all the interviews, the hiring process, there's players declaring for the draft, there's all the bowl games in college, and much, much more. I highly recommend, if you haven't done so yet, to turn on notifications for the My Sports Update Twitter page so you don't miss anything notable that happens in the National Football League. Before I sign off one final reminder as always you can find the My Sports Update Football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. All of it is greatly appreciated. I'm your host, Ari Merov. I'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Happy New Year. Enjoy Wildcard Weekend. Let the madness begin. Let the games begin. I'm ready for it. Enjoy it. I'll see you back next week.